Can something be fragile yet unbreakable at the same time? I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but I I found something that, that is. Have you ever heard of a Prince Rupert's drop? A Prince Rupert's drops, a small piece of glass made by dropping molten glass into water where it instantly solidifies. Uh, here, here's a picture of a, a Prince Rupert's drop. It looks kind of like a, a tadpole or maybe something you'd learn about in eighth grade health class, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I need to apologize because there's a junior high boy that lives in my head uh, most days. When you see how small that is and you know that it's glass, you immediately believe it's fragile. And in some ways it is fragile, incredibly fragile. But there's also an unbreakable quality to it. Uh, that, that droplet-like head on the one end of, of the Prince Rupert's drop is actually nearly impossible to break. But I don't want to just tell you about it. I want you to see it for yourself. It's super cool. So go ahead and check out this video. So after it cools down, this is what you're left with. Kind of looks like a tadpole, but it has some really interesting mechanical properties. We can actually hit this thing with a hammer and it won't break. Okay, I'm ready. Didn't go. Okay, I think Cal is kind of a pansy. So you think you can break it? So we're gonna try again, only this time I'm gonna make him hit it really hard and I'm gonna record it with high speed. Does that work? Think you can break it? All right, let's do it. The challenge is on. Are you gonna just hit it? Yeah. (laughs) So do you think you actually broke it? I don't think you did. You think you broke it? I know I broke it. (laughs) Let's look at the high speed. Okay, so the drop broke, but technically it wasn't the hammer that broke it. If you look close in the high speed, you can see that it's the wiggling of the tail that makes it go. This is the mystery of the Prince Rupert's drop. You can try as hard as you can to break the bowl, but you can't. But if you even nick the tail, the entire thing will explode. Not shatter, but actually explode. Isn't that cool? Fragile yet unbreakable. Uh, We're starting a new sermon series today that has that same theme to it. The series is called Fragile, an unbreakable faith in a broken world. If you don't know, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and I am so, so honored that you've chosen to connect with us today. Our vision is to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. And even through this fragile season that we've been in, our vision remained the same. And my prayer for all of us today is that each one of us would take one more step in experiencing one of those things in our spiritual journey. Experience life, get connected, or make an impact. If there's one word I I keep coming back to in my mind through this season, it's the word fragile. We saw how just with the, the clip, the flick of the tail, everything fell apart in our world. It literally shattered. We've seen how fragile we are physically with the threat of this virus. We've seen how fragile we are financially with with some of the worst stock market and unemployment numbers in our country's history. We've seen how fragile we are politically 
as crazy as it sounds, more divided than ever. We've seen how fragile we are emotionally with anxiety and depression at an all-time high. Just this last week, we actually saw how fragile we are in race relations. Which, by the way, if you've not seen it yet, I would highly encourage everyone to go watch the conversation I had with Pastor Fred Gallup on our Facebook page uh, this last week. We, we talked about the recent killing of George Floyd, the protests, the riots that ensued, and, and what is the church's role in racial reconciliation. It was incredibly helpful for me. I know it will be for you as well. I'd encourage you to go watch that. Make no mistake about it. Our humanity is fragile. We are fragile people, are we not? But even though everything in our world seems to be shattering, our faith doesn't have to. Even though everything is falling apart in this broken world, we can have an unbreakable faith. For me, this is actually one of the most attractive parts of Christianity. Now, I know that not everyone who is watching or listening believes in Jesus, and we love the fact uh, that you are, are joining us today. Uh, my prayer is that the, the, this unbreakable faith that we are, are talking about would be appealing and desiring to you, but, but even if you never put your faith in Jesus or follow him, uh, we want you to know that we love you, uh, we are for you, and, and, and we will honor you just the same. There's one verse in the New Testament portion of the Bible that will be our theme verse for the series. Uh, each week of the series, we will build off of the idea of this one verse. It speaks to the fragility we have as Christians, but also to the power we have by faith in Christ. Our theme verse, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, says this, we now have this Light, talking about the light of Christ, shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure, this light. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So as humans, we have this, this jar that we live in. Paul calls it a, a fragile clay jar. But because of our faith in Jesus, our faith can still be unbreakable. Fragile jars or bodies, but unbreakable faith. That leads right into our, our big idea for today. If you want to write it down, you can. It's this, regardless of the obstacles in my life, I can live an unbreakable faith with my life. Regardless of the obstacles that come my way, I can have an unbreakable faith. That should be encouraging to us. So here's the, the first big question for our series that I feel like we have to answer today, and it's this. What does an unbreakable faith look like? What's an unbreakable faith Look like. Our main scripture is 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 7. And then next week, we'll pick up right where we left off today, and we'll end up going through two chapters in 2 Corinthians by the time the series is done. As I said, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament portion of the Bible. It's written by a man we call the Apostle Paul. Paul knows a thing or two about unbreakable faith. 
not only did he have it himself, but before he put his faith in Jesus, he saw others live it as well. You see, Paul led a movement to arrest, torture, and kill people for their faith in Christ. He witnessed people remain faithful to Jesus all the way to their death. They demonstrated an unbreakable faith. And here in our main scripture, Paul is writing about his own unbreakable faith, and he's calling all of us to live out our unbreakable faith as well. Starting in verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, and the new way he's talking about is the way of Jesus, that, that no longer would we rely on the sacrifice of sheep and goats, we rely on the sacrifice of Jesus. No longer would we rely on the foundation of the temple or, or the rituals therein. We rely on the person and work of Christ alone. He is our foundation. So since we've been given this new way, he says this, we Never give up. I want you to say that out loud wherever you are. We never give up. If you're watching on the live platform, just type that phrase in the chat box. We never give up. That regardless of the obstacles in my life, I can live in unbreakable faith with my life. So what does an unbreakable faith look like? We see the first thing here in this verse. Number one is this. It refuses to stop. An unbreakable faith refuses to stop. Two Fridays ago, my grandpa on my mom's side, my mom's dad, he, he passed away and entered into the glorious presence of Jesus he was 99 years old when he passed, and all of my grandparents are and, and were some of the godliest people I've, I've ever known, all of them completely and totally surrendered to Jesus. My grandpa was a full-time pastor for longer than I've been alive. He, he was a, a B-24 bomber pilot in World War II. Uh, he lived through some very difficult times in life, but all the way to the very end, he never, ever gave up. He always kept moving forward, always learning something new, always uh, 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 praying for people to come to know Jesus, even to his very last days, sharing his faith in Jesus with nurses and, and people in the, in the nursing home. He finished out his days in that nursing home in Colorado Springs where uh, every couple of times a year our, our family would go down and, and make sure we spent some time with grandpa. On one of those occasions, I, I spent a moment with my grandpa I'll never forget. I knelt down beside his chair and I asked him, Grandpa, what's the most important thing that you learned in ministry? What's the most important thing to following Jesus. He stopped for a second, almost seemed stumped, and then he just said confidently, Jeff, never look back. Just never look back. Or in other words, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. I then asked my grandpa if he would pray for me 
Here, here's a picture of my, my grandpa, 96 years old at the time. One hand in the air praising God, one hand on me praying for me that I would never give up. The beautiful part about his prayer was in that prayer, he actually prayed for our church. He prayed for you, that you would never give up. And listen, as Christians, as a church, that needs to be our cry. We never give up. We don't give up. One of the statements of truth that that I've added to my life in January is born from this verse in our main scripture and really was inspired by some obstacles in my wife and I's life that we were facing at the time. I I repeat words of of truth over my life every day, and and here's one of them that I, I will use. It's on the screens. It says this, no matter what happens to me or who goes with me, I can't stop and I won't stop following Jesus. No matter what happens to me or who goes with me, I can't stop and I won't stop following Jesus. That no matter what obstacles we face, we refuse to stop. Even when the obstacle is a closed church building during this crazy season, we are in. I want us to remember that the church cannot be contained. The the, the church doesn't stop even when the building is closed. I've told you this so many times. The church is not a building. It is a people. And listen, we're going to open the building again. In fact, just this last week, with the help of our leadership council, listening to experts around us, following the decisions our own community made regarding large gatherings like Frontier Days, we decided it was the most respectful, responsible, and reasonable thing for us to do to plan for a relaunch of our in-person gatherings on Sunday, August 9th. And I cannot wait for us to be together in person again, Sunday, August 9th. When we do reopen our doors, we've decided that the best and most healthy course of action for us is to move our 6 p.m. service to a 12.30 p.m. time slot. So we'll have three worship experiences still, but new times. So our new worship times are 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then 12.30 p.m. As we get closer, we'll make sure that everyone is aware of all the social distancing expectations, and specifically for uh, the parents in our church, we're gonna be really, really clear about what our kids' ministry expectations are as well whenever we open up on August 9th. But listen, this is so huge. Even if we never, ever opened our building again, we have to refuse to stop. We never give up. That no matter what happens to me or who goes with me, I can't stop. I won't stop following Jesus. Then Paul says this in verse 2. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. 
that regardless of the obstacles in my life, I can live an unbreakable faith with my life. So what does an unbreakable faith look like? First of all, refuses to stop. Second of all is this, it rejects sin. An unbreakable faith rejects sin. Theologian John Gill, in his commentary about verse 2, said this, They abhorred and rejected everything that was scandalous and reproachful to the gospel of Christ. Wow. Abhorred and rejected what was scandalous to the gospel of Christ. That word abhor in the English language means to regard with disgust or hatred. So kind of like how I feel about the Patriots, cats, I got a new one for you, and olives. I, I hate, hate olives. Disgusting to me. So do you have a food in your life or, or, or a drink in your life that literally will, will make you gag if you taste it? Your, your body instinctively rejects it. It's olives for me. So now we got a new one for me to talk about in church. If you're watching on the live platform, just put in the chat box what that food or drink is for you. I'll tell you, one of my favorite videos that came out of this pandemic season we are in is one of a little girl who was trying to pretend that she liked her mom's cooking, but she couldn't hide her gag reflex. It's hilarious. It's adorable. I want to show it to you. Go ahead and check this video out. How is it? Good. It looks so. It looks like you're enjoying yourself. Mm. Oh yeah, that looks like you're enjoying. Okay, you okay? You. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> that video. That's what Paul is saying his reaction to sin is and really what ours should be as well. It is a rejection of sin because we hate it. We hate it. And if we do find ourselves consuming sin or, or committing sin, it, it should be like when we consume a food we detest. There's sorrow that comes with it, a desire to never do it again, a resolve in our hearts to do whatever it takes to avoid sin. Listen, anyone who says or tells you that sin isn't fun or sin doesn't feel good, they're not doing it right. There's a reason we're drawn to sin. It's fun. It feels good. It satisfies for a season. But when all that wears off, all that's left is emptiness and shame. It's why it's called shameful deeds in our main scripture. Paul says we reject all of that. We hate it. As it says in Proverbs 8, verse 13, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. Psalm 97, 10, you who love the Lord hate evil. Listen, this is so, so important. Without the hatred of sin in our own lives, we will never live out an unbreakable faith with our life. If we don't have a hatred for sin in our lives, 
we won't live out an unbreakable faith with life. Then let's look at the last few verses of our main scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 7 says this, If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God, Jesus, God in the flesh. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And then we get to what is our theme scripture, theme verse for the whole series. We now have this light, the light of Christ shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great powers from God, not from ourselves. That regardless of the obstacles in my life, I can live out an unbreakable faith with my life. So what's an unbreakable faith look like? It refuses to stop. It rejects sin. And then lastly, number three is this. It rises to shine. An unbreakable faith will rise to shine. To shine. I hope this this point here is encouraging to someone today. Make no mistake about it. We live out our faith in fragile clay jars. Our bodies, our minds, our hearts, they are easily broken. So often in this life, we, we bear the scars of our brokenness, but too often we believe the lie that our brokenness actually keeps us from bearing the light of Christ. We believe that our scars prevent us from shining the light of Christ. I know that's true, because I've been there myself. All of us have scars from life. All of us have wounds and memories of brokenness. And yes, I understand that Jesus wants to bring healing and wholeness and restoration to those things. He wants to help us overcome that brokenness, but he doesn't always remove it. The scars, the wounds, many times the brokenness can remain. If this box here represented our life, and if this drill represented things that that we do in life or things that happen to us in life, here's what I think often happens in our fragile clay jars. For, For a lot of us, you maybe have broken marriages, failed relationships that haunt you in your life. For, for many of us, we have past sin or abuse that was done to us. Sometimes in our life, it feels like we have failure after failure after failure. Then even 
like we have today. We have the remains of racism. We have financial collapse. We have tragic loss. We have addictions. Every one of us has scars and wounds and brokenness in life. Some we've done to ourselves, others have been done to us. But we live in fragile clay jars. And so often we believe that our brokenness prevents us from shining the light of Christ. But I propose the opposite today. I propose, I believe, and I pray this encourages someone today that it's actually from our place of brokenness that the light of Christ can be seen even more. Our brokenness, our scars, our wounds, they don't stop us from shining the light of Christ. They actually have the opportunity to shine the light even brighter. As Paul said, even though we live in fragile, often broken clay jars, we've been given the light of Christ, which makes it clear that our power is from God, not from ourselves. What's he mean by that? That no matter what happens to me or who goes with me, I can't stop, I won't stop following Jesus. Even though we've committed sin, we now reject all shameful deeds. We run from them, that we might have the scars of what sin did, but we are done with sin. And by the power of Jesus in me, I will rise up to shine his light through me. Listen, when people know how fragile we are, but they see how unbreakable we live, they can't help but see the light of Christ in us. Isn't that what Jesus did? It was actually the brokenness of Jesus that revealed the most light. It was the brokenness of Jesus that unleashed his power on our lives for healing, wholeness, and forgiveness. Isaiah 53 verse five, a prophecy about Jesus says this, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Here in a little bit, we're gonna celebrate communion together. On the night that Christ was uh, betrayed, arrested, eventually killed on our behalf, he met with his disciples one last time. Knowing the, the fragile human body he was in was about to be torn apart. He took some bread, he broke it, passed it around the table and said, eat this bread and whenever you do, remember my body given for you. He then took a cup of, of wine. He also passed it around the table. He said, this, this wine represents my blood the blood of the new covenant, the new way we talked about earlier. My blood will forgive your sins, the sins of the world. Whenever you drink this cup, do it to remember me, my blood poured out for you. And then less than 24 hours later, the body of Christ would be crushed for us, but he would be raised in glorious life, fragile, yet unbreakable. 
And we too are promised to be raised to life forever by our faith in Jesus. You see, all of us have sinned, every one of us. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And if that sin goes undealt with, it is an eternal separation. But God loved us so much, he had a solution. Jesus, God in the flesh. He came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us paying the price for our sins. But three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us by faith in him can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, power to live our lives for him every day with an unbreakable faith. And one day, one day, we'll spend eternity with Jesus. If that's you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of your life, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. No better time than right now to pray this prayer. Just pray this wherever you are. Just pray it from your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is God in the flesh, died for my sins and rose from the dead. So Jesus, I give you me. Everything I've ever done, I'm asking you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean, make me new. I turn, I repent from my old life of sin, and I will follow you in my new life by your help and by your power. I receive from you salvation. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. Please give me the ability to live out an unbreakable faith that refuses to stop, rejects sin, and rises to shine. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, no matter who you are, if you prayed that prayer, you're now a part of our family. Welcome to the family. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you'll ever live out. And so we want, we want to help you, not only by welcoming you to our family, but offering you some free resources as well. We'd love to know about your decision. Just click, I commit my life to Jesus, if you're watching on the live platform, or text in the word one to the number 41400. Text one to 41400, and we wanna get some information in your hands. As we close out our time together today, I do wanna lead us in communion I hope you have your communion elements ready wherever you are. But as we remember the body and blood of Christ, I want us to remember as well, it was the brokenness of Christ that shined the most light. And even in your brokenness, Jesus wants to shine through you. Jesus took the bread and said, every time you eat it, remember me. My body given for you. You can go ahead and eat the bread. Then Jesus said, take a drink. Every time you drink the cup, do it to remember me. My blood poured out for your sins. You can drink the cup. Jesus, we thank you that even in our brokenness, your light can shine. Even in the fragile clay 
jars called the human body by your unbreakable spirit in us. We can refuse to stop, reject sin, and rise to shine. Lord, I pray today that the simple act of communion would remind us that even in our brokenness, your light can shine. We love you, Jesus. We give you all praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.